I, I think I, I think I tried Redbush tea when I, I did. I decided to like cut back on caffeine. And yeah. Someone recommended it as a replacement for just regular tea. Um, but I, I just missed coffee too much. So yeah. I ended up slipping back into old habits. I shouldn't have coffee really, but it's the one concession I have to, you know, uh, it's not even a bad diet actually, because there's probiotics in um, coffee beans. So it's actually quite good for your stomach in kind of small quantities. So that's what I tell myself anyway. <laughs> I leave out the part about small quantities. I'll use that as my excuse next time someone complains I'm having too much coffee. <laughs> Fantastic. Then we'll slip into it and welcome to the podcast, Lizzie. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, it's really nice to be invited. I've, um, I just wanted to say that I, um, I've got noise sensitivity, so I've got a real issue with podcasts. And there's so many that I'd like to listen to, but your voice is so soothing and so suited to it. But it's... Um, yeah, I just had to say that before we kind of moved on, really. It's um, certainly for the, the noise sensitive among us. It's yeah, it's great. So I'm Thank glad you, you exist. <laughs> You're not the first guest who's mentioned it. Um, right. It's, it's, it's one of these things where I don't think think there's any particularly interesting about my voice. I think I have quite a nasal voice. Um, but then obviously you hear a higher register inside your own head compared yeah. to anywhere else but I've, I've had a couple of people one says you know it's very soothing to the point where they can't listen to the podcast because it makes them sleepy and yeah I, like, I get that a lot yeah. I, I like that with a lot of podcasts that I do listen mm. to actually because I tend to listen to them while I'm working so I'm not actually kind of registering what I'm listening to if that makes sense so yeah. I often have to go back and you know listen to, to podcasts a few times really so yeah but yeah. um yeah you did a great job <laughs> Well, uh, we'll start with the the basics as we do. Um, okay. Who are you? Oh, um, I'm Lizzie, and I'm a clay artist, but um, I go by the pseudonym Clay Disarray, um, really because I, you know Lizzie Campbell is a fairly common name, particularly in Scotland. So I think it's really useful at times to try and you know develop your own moniker. So it's something that I came up with around 10 years ago um I'm really neat as a person or I used to be and when you're working with clay it's certainly not working or like working with um you know pencils or pens or digital work because everything's just so messy so um yeah my little studio that was once really neat and tidy is uh, yeah just got loads of stuff everywhere so hence clay disarray really that's where the kind of name was born no, it's interesting. I don't I don't associate clay with tidy in no. any way, shape or form. I associate no. it with, you know, accidentally getting uh, mud on my jeans and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, messy hands and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah that's a, quite a counterbalance yeah. to your own and I think because I've got so much kind of mixed media stuff around as well, it's, um, mm. yeah, it can be a bit tricky trying to kind of create some kind of sense and order to to my studio it's only kind of a small bedroom really but you know it's my creative space so 
yeah that's that's where the the name came from really it's uh yeah pretty messy so i'm glad you can only see this bit <laughs> this bit here <laughs> so, so you, you can see my background is just a, a, a cacophony of, of bits tidy is yeah. not something i particularly do it's more clear a space for what i'm making at the time i'm making it and then leave it leave it be afterwards to let it sell that's the creative mind for you i think isn't it so. <laughs> i mean i cleaned my kitchen this morning that's now tidy i give it that's maybe nice. two days before it's cluttered again but yeah <laughs> so are you are you based up in scotland then? no no i'm uh, my family are, are scottish i i was born in the Midlands, and I, I live um, in a village that's pretty close to Coventry. Um, so, yeah, I've been here uh, most of my life. I did have a, a little while while I lived in um, London, but yeah, back here now. So, it's um, kind of semi rural where I live. So, you know, it's for me, it's really great for kind of mental health, for kind of getting out and, you know, just seeing fields and woods and stuff. I, I really love it, I have to say. It's um, I've, I find it kind of a bit kind of all consuming when I can't get out and, you know, just kind of be at one with nature, if you like. It's um, <laughs> it's it's just really sure. important for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so I'm originally from uh, Scunthorpe and then. Oh, right. I moved to Lincoln after that for uni and then stayed there for a decade or so and then recently moved over to the US so having yeah. having quick access to farmland and woodland is something which I yeah grew up with and fully appreciate that when you get into a city not having that is a yeah. yeah and it's coastal as well Scunthorpe so yeah fairly it, coastal yeah, like yeah. it's it's not it's not on the coast as in the sense it, it's connected to the, the sea right yeah it's, sorry I've yeah Grim, Grimsby's in the way that. you know we yeah we have to be <laughs> yeah it's just because I'm kind of really landlocked where I am I just I think that's the one thing that I'd change if I could just be a bit closer to the the sea really it's yeah it's I, very I just different love vibe it. on the sea yeah 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 um I'd really like that I think sort of long term that's what I'd sort of love to do but I'll have to speak to my partner about it <laughs> retire to the coast is not oh, a, is not everybody. a bad plan yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be lovely it's slightly different when you're in the uk and you retire to the coast because you know it's going to be chilly most of the year round whereas out in the yeah. us it's retired to florida where it's warm all year round and we've got sea and sun whereabouts in the us are you now uh so currently i'm in new jersey but i'm literally across the river from new york oh um, lovely I, I work out there um yeah and, but yeah i've been here about a year no. How are you finding it? It's all right. That's, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's this time, I've, I've I've had this with guests, and I think I mentioned in previous ones. Of you know, I'm English. I, I, I describe things in very demure terms. Of it's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just pragmatism, isn't it? It's it's fine. <laughs> it's what it is. You know, I like like you're saying. Like I was concerned of not having access to parks and being able to get out into the wildlife and and trees and stuff like that, but because of the way the spaces in this city in New York are built, there is actually a fair amount of parks and there is a fair yeah. amount of places you can go because if there wasn't, it would just be concrete hundred yeah. percent of the time. Yeah. And that's yeah. No way to live. There's no, no it's, uh, it's no good for the soul. I think certainly the creative mm. soul. Exactly. exactly. 
But uh, yeah, getting back to getting back to what you do in terms of your work. So I always said I found you originally via Instagram. Right, through, okay. You know, your images and whatnot. And then looked up and obviously found that you had a YouTube channel and you 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 know you you create work and I found them interesting because it was you seem to you seem to obviously not only create things but give more of an insight uh from kind of an industry perspective which I think a lot of channels miss and I I wondered kind of what led you towards that as well as talking about your own work um I think it all boils down to um not well I think to, to give you a little bit of my history um I um when I was younger um I I lived with my uh my dad my mum died when I was young and um I had a bit of a kind of fraught relationship with my dad he had a kind of alcohol problem and it was kind of really difficult living at home and I desperately wanted to go to art school and um it was yeah it was quite difficult to get to art school I I, I did go um I signed up to I think it was a a graphic design um diploma course when I was about 17 but because things got kind of so difficult at home I had to leave the course halfway through and um I moved out of home because it was just too difficult and um I basically had to you know go and find my own way in the world and I've gosh had so many jobs along the way I tried to count it up the other day because um just for, for something that was kind of semi-related and I think I've had around 30 to 40 jobs in my life which you know it tells you something doesn't it it's uh it's basically somebody that's just not happy um really yeah, and quite fit. yeah and yeah. um I ended up working in the, the charitable sector, which I, I really enjoyed, actually. I, I ended up in a in a comms role um, for a national charity, but there was just something still nagging, um, you know, at the back of my mind. It was like, you know, this job is, you know, it's semi-creative, it's really interesting, but I just don't feel creatively fulfilled. So um, I thought at that point, you know what, I'm just going to go and do a part-time um, visual communication course. And um, that was at Leamington College and it was fairly local to me. So I, I thought I'd do that for three days a week. And I think it was about three years. And gosh, it was just like breathing air, really. I, I just felt so inspired not only by the, the course itself, my, my tutors were just brilliant. And, um, you know, everybody on my course, I, I, I did worry about kind of being a mature student at that point that, you know, I'd kind of sort of stick out like a sore thumb, really. But so I think I was in my kind of mid 30s at that point. And everybody was just so lovely. I just remember just absolutely feeling so excited about going along and because it was a multimedia course I kind of covered everything um I went into that course thinking that I was an illustrator because I you know I've always drawn in my life but I think the issue for me was that um I'd oscillate between sort of different creative styles all the time you know i I do cartooning one day and then kind of more figurative work another day and I just couldn't fathom what you know my my style was or my kind of creative identity was 
because everything that I was doing kind of felt really derivative of kind of, you know, everything else out there. Um, so it was during that course that um, I did a, a clay workshop and I don't know for whatever reason, I just seemed to have a real kind of natural affinity with the material. It was something that I'd never kind of done before. I think I might have done a bit of pottery kind of years ago, but this was kind of creating characters and it was kind of like a bit of an epiphany, really. I was like, crikey, if I, if I could make characters and then take images of the characters in different settings, then that's kind of still illustration work, but it doesn't feel derivative. It feels original. It feels like, you know, it's something that I feel kind of really excited by. So I just remember that, that, that class, it was, it was a, I think a day workshop being a real kind of pivotal moment for me because I, I think for my next brief, I think there was a photography brief coming up after that or a module. And I um, just created a load of um, like film scenes. It was called, the project was called May Contain Spoilers. And I, I just um, made loads of different um, sets um, for various kind of horror and dark genre movies because they're, you know, the ones that I'm kind of more drawn to. And uh, I think I created maybe around 40 and they were really raw, you know, part of the, the brief was um, was really about keeping it as kind of small as possible in, in terms of time. So I'd limit myself to just a few hours for each kind of mini projects, but it kind of had its own charm because of that. I used air dry clay and then painted over the figures and um they, yeah they it just I guess now I'd look back and think gosh you know that was really terrible work like everybody would but I just remember at the time thinking you know I've not seen anything like this this is feels really kind of unique and um yeah I developed a kind of mini photography book but yeah I was just so proud of it at the time and I, I just yeah developed from there I think not long after that, I discovered polymer clay. And I, I don't know if you're aware of what the material is, but it's more of a kind of plastic. So it's a clay that you hard bake. And I don't know why it's called clay, actually, because it's really not clay. It's it's like a, it's like plastic a, a plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, since then, I, I think that was probably around 10 years ago, I've just kind of developed my own kind of style, which is it's, it's it's very cartoon like but i yeah for me it just feels feels good to be creating things that feel kind of unique really i think there's lots of obviously clay artists out there and, and people doing brilliant work but i think um because of the kind of illustration element i just really wanted to do something that felt kind of different really and i think because because of that however it often gets kind of um confused with it animation work and you know I've been really kind of distinct along the way that I, I'm just more I interested in creating still images and I think that probably speaks <laughs> about my patience really I, I just couldn't work on an animation it takes way too long and I just I haven't got the kind of interest I haven't got the burning desire to do that I, for me it's about kind of creating just those images that yeah and that's 
in a long way that's how <laughs> Clay Disarray was kind of born really yeah I was just gonna say that's interesting because I was actually I was going to ask you um kind of what your interest in like animation and stop motion is because there is a, such a similarity the first thing it reminded me of when I saw it was uh the sledgehammer video from Peter Gabriel yeah. which was that I always talk about that one because it's the one which kind of inspired me to want to go into like filmmaking and things like that I was like wow this is incredible um, it's amazing it, isn't it it's iconic yeah yeah it, it is that kind of claymation plasticine-esque style which obviously was the way back in the 80s whereas now obviously there's things like polymer clay which just didn't really exist back then and, and now yeah. can can hold up for those those kinds of images so it's interesting to hear that you you don't have that want to kind of go further because to you they are standalone pieces they're individual iconic you know moments and that's what you're yeah. capturing and yeah. it has caused problems along the way because a, a few years ago I signed up with a illustration agency and um it was a it's a really good illustration agency and I was like oh my god I can't believe they want to sign me um but really not long after it was uh it was really apparent that they didn't get my work because they thought, you know, it'd be really interesting. It would be really good if you could start making, um, you know, little models on armatures that, you know, can be animated. And I thought, you know, it's a very different technique for one. You know, I, I don't know how to make things that are articulated. You know, it's hugely different discipline. And, you know, if I were to start doing that, that would you know, it'd probably take three years to learn how to, to do that in itself, really. It's a very different kind of skill set, far more complicated in, in many ways. So, yeah, it was soon after that I, I thought, you know, this kind of isn't working. I'd, yeah, I, I I said to them, you know, this, I need to go my own way, really. This, uh, yeah, it, wait, it, just, it just shows, doesn't it, sometimes that creative agencies, you really think they get your work, but actually sometimes they don't. So, it was unfortunate, you know, it would have been nice to kind of partner with them and, and to get more work because that's, you know, essentially what creatives want to do. But yeah, I think it's, it can be tricky if you're doing something that people don't kind of fully understand. Um, it's not to say that I, I haven't done any animation, but I have done um, some very, very basic stuff for an app in the past. And that, you know, I don't mind so much. It's, you know, if you're, making a, a, a character blink or something like that something really really simple but when you're kind of creating fully forms um animations it's it's a hugely different thing really I, I guess your style if i if i was to put it in the animation industry is more of um kind of like a concept model style yeah. when yes. it's like the initial idea in, it's kind of the same with illustration of when you you know you do a concept sketch and it's big and it's it's wonderful and it's fantasy and all these kinds of things then you hand off that, that to people who actually do animation they're like yeah this isn't possible like, yeah <laughs> it's just not possible <laughs> in terms of what yeah. we can do um but no yeah it's it, it's a it, it is a fine line to walk, walk and i think a lot of creators fall into that not necessarily a trap like you say because it's all done in good faith of looking for institutions and companies to help you know yeah. finding an agent is a big thing especially with for writers um that's a huge thing find an agent who will publish a book that'll be the, the open door but yeah. you end up changing what you're doing to fit the person you're working with 
Yeah, well, and, I didn't get any yeah. work out of them. You know, I, I, yeah. I ended up, I, the only brief that I had was for a charity, uh, just, to, you know, essentially, I don't mind doing a free gig now and again for a charity. But, you know, if that's the only gig that you're getting from a from an illustration agency or a creative agency, you know, it's quite apparent things aren't working out, really. As well, like, hearing your story reminds me so much of people who have had very similar journeys of working in, you know, multiple jobs, not finding anything which really fits, deciding to go back to education or doing something and yeah. ending up in the creative industry. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, we all come from various backgrounds and, you know, more opportunities are there or like you say, life gets in the way of, yeah. of doing something. Um, and then you you do, you end up drifting from job to job to job, I think. And then, yeah, it, it suddenly opens the, the mind. Like, say, you have that epiphany moment of, oh, actually, what what fulfills me is going out, making something, creating something. And that would be nice to do day to day, even if it's just like in a minor capacity. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, my story certainly isn't unique. It's just a shame that, you know, creative people, if they just had that bit of support when they were perhaps younger you know it'd be really brilliant for them to be able to you know to discover and discover their talents years or decades earlier really it's um yeah it's it can be really difficult for all artists um out there that haven't got you know that familial base or family base that are you know encouraging them for one to to go into something that you know fulfills them creatively it's uh yeah it's a real shame i think there's an extreme value as well in people who are older changing direction like, like yeah. yourself um because because like kind of previously alluded to like within your videos you discuss industry you discuss you know knowing your worth and and pricing and and all those kinds of things which yeah as young creators you don't really think about you know you, you get 19 year olds 20 year olds you just don't think about it. you're thinking how can i make money from this how can i get exposure and and how can i you know make it big that kind of yeah, thing you're just pleased to get a gig i think you know yeah. in the early days i was just really flattered and you know yeah. if it paid or not didn't really matter but now i'm horrified to think you know why on earth would you take a free gig on why <laughs> but it's just what they expect it's so awful it is i mean i've, I've the, the the example i always give is i've photographed i've been to more weddings as a employee than I have as a guest right it yeah is because it's very much Graham knows how to use a camera he's studying how to use a camera therefore he's the default wedding photographer for anybody and I think it's like you spend you know, spend the entire day there and maybe, maybe come away with 200 quid oh, you know and it's that kind of thing where you're like yeah no, this is good I'm I'm practicing my craft it doesn't matter yeah. that I'm not really getting much out of the fact that I didn't get fed on the day or anything like that and I mean, you it's just horrific. It. It's <laughs> horrific. And I think everybody has their own story to tell, doesn't they? Which says volumes. It's um yeah. it's just so commonplace and it I just can't believe it's just expected. It's just <laughs> just awful. And it takes, you know, a long time to get the confidence, one, to sort of say no to people and you know, to actually realise this is just so exploitative. They can promise you whatever they want. It's just not going to work out you know I've done things for ex exposure in the past and you know if you're if you're lucky you might get you know a, your, your name checked or whatever but 
so what these people see like you know a social media handle and they think oh whatever yeah that person did it but you know I'm not going to follow them I'm not going to offer them any work it's an absolute waste of time so it didn't take me long to realize you know why on earth would you do anything for free I think I certainly it was still uh while I was at college you know um but yeah it's been a long time other than charitable work that you know I've done anything for free because it's just ridiculous it's so awful I think unless you're doing it I mean, I do a lot of stuff for free, but I do it for myself. It's stuff yeah. which I want to make. It's stuff I want to give away. Stuff which I see value in just having out there. It's not beholden yeah. to a, a stakeholder or a, a CEO or anything like that. And I think that's the stuff which you, you focus on you way free. Well, like absolutely, you say, yeah. 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 Having, well, having doing that. YouTube, for one, is, is doing work for free, isn't yeah. it? It's, uh, yeah. Certainly for me. So it's... <laughs> Um, but you know I, I just enjoy it really so um, it'd be nice one day if you know your channel pops at some point but I think to go into that mentality go into it with that mentality isn't going to work out you know you have to enjoy it at some level and if things work out then great so yeah I definitely think when you get that older perspective you that's the important thing to see it's important for people to see that and come in because you know anyone can watch us and say oh you know both a bit jaded with the industry who've given up or anything like that and he's just saying well no most of this is formed out of experience it's formed yeah. out of the things which we've done for jobs for whoever creative or not and we've gone well no I, I do enough to make my living and then yeah. I do the stuff which actually makes me happy that's yeah you know a clear a clear differential but yeah it's it, it can be hard to teach that and I think yeah I guess that's why why I started watching your channel more because I was like it's nice. You, you're actually giving these messages to kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whether or not they take them on board is a different thing, I think, isn't it? I think sometimes people do have to go out and learn their own lessons. But, you know, I think it's equally useful for, for people to be, you know, sharing any kind of knowledge or wisdom, particularly about the creative industries, actually, because there's just so much hidden from certainly uh, those that are new to the industry or recent graduates you know nobody's got a clue about pricing or how to get clients or whatever it's all just so difficult and it's um I know because I did the uh, I did a degree top up in um in visual communication uh, so I did four years study and you know not once did we ever talk about clients or how to actually get work you know it's just it seems crazy really it's because I think all creatives yeah. often have, you know, their own small business or, you know, often outside of their day job even. But not knowing how to run that business is a, it's a real, it's a real problem. So, you know, it'd be nice to think that, you know, creative courses would introduce modules that really deal with this stuff properly because it's it's like a minefield really. So, as I'm sure you <laughs> appreciate as well, it's it's so difficult. It's it's. It's interesting to hear it from like a different type of course, different yeah. different view of we had very much the same experience. I vividly remember on two occasions. So it was we were in our third year of our degree. I think we were in maybe the last two weeks of the course. Right. And we had a meeting with our tutors. And the meeting with our tutors was what comes next? <laughs> <laughs> and this was the first time in three years any of our tutors had recognized or said anything about what you do after uni what you should go into how to get a job how to do any of that and we all sat there like 
this is ridiculous. And then the other experience was we went to a job fair, um, which was, you know, big and we love engineering work in Lincolnshire. So a lot of the the, the stalls there were around that. And there was one stall which was for Coca-Cola. And we went over and we were like, oh, you know, what what do you do? What, what's your, your background? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're looking for media students and all this kind of stuff. And we were like, well, what's your advice? What's your advice to kind of get into it? And they just said, move to London. Oh, gosh. That was the only advice we got. And we're all still there like, well, we can't afford to move to London. That's why we're at uni in Lincoln. Um, so... Oh, it's just so offensive, isn't it? Yeah. What on it's... earth? I, I, think, <laughs> I think we did, uh, certainly on the HND course, we did, um, mm. I think there was maybe one or two classes, but it was really about, you know, interview techniques for going off to get a job within a creative establishment you know which is a very different mindset from freelance work which is essentially what all creatives do at, you know at some level whether it's part-time or full-time and just to completely ignore all of that you know how to to run a business it, and yeah just move to London <laughs> gosh why didn't it's I fun. think of that Let's do that <laughs> Up, up, in, up and off you go when you've got your, your student debt and your no job. Just move to London. It's, it's, I, I think there's kind of like another side to it as well. Like obviously, there's there's an industry side to it. But I think no course, regardless of what you go on, prepares you for the like the toll it takes mentally and yeah. physically to do creative work. Because I think I think from, a, from an outside point of view, it's, it's seen as an industry which is easy. It's seen yeah. as a yeah it's a cop-out course it's something you do to fill the time it's like oh very nice you do paintings you do illustrations that's great you get to sit down for eight hours a day and draw and then when you meet artists and you meet creators and you're like well actually no all of us have pre-existing health conditions yeah mental health <laughs> issues we're yes, just bags yeah. of mess at times and yeah. you know you get you don't get told any of that you don't get told how to take care of yourself while yeah. you're doing things yeah yeah i so, i think um the Association of, uh, of Illustrators uh, really kind of uh, a few years ago did a kind of survey on that. And um, I'm not entirely sure what they did with the findings of that bit. For once, it's, it felt really good to be heard, you know, from um, the authority in the illustration um, fields that, you know, even just to say, you know, we're aware that there's a whole plethora of mental health issues out there. And this is a really tough industry. And you know, it, it's it's something that affects everybody. And just to hear that was, you know, really refreshing, actually, because it's just ignored completely, kind of usually. So um, you've reminded me, actually, I should look into that and see what they did with the findings. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's always a balance to strike. And I think like, even small things, it's, I always find it strange when people question how much effort it takes to make something, like with, like with your work, you know, it's it's working with polymer clay so you you're doing a lot of manual process which isn't too different to what factory workers do in a, in yeah. a, a wider yeah. perspective and people forget it and they're like oh well you know why don't you make 100 of these you know like, well because repetitive strain injury injury is well, a thing exactly. I'm already <laughs> dealing with you know back issues i've got sciatica i've got kind of um arthritis you know it's really <laughs> it's really difficult and um yeah, funnily enough, you're saying that I often, because uh, I just make one figure at a time or one model at a time. And 
whenever you know I make one people just assume I'm able to knock them out you know kind of a hundred at a go it's just so fascinating and I think um, you know the world of AI is only going to make you know that even more difficult for creators it's um, I, you know I, I just I think the average person just hasn't got a clue how much work really goes into something it's um, yeah it's it's really difficult it's hard work I mean, I imagine, I mean, like you say, you kind of, you have health, health issues, which you have to balance that passion yeah. versus how you're feeling any one day. Is, yeah. is, is that something you kind of feel like you've, you've got a system for, or is that something which you, you take as like, as it comes? <laughs> um, probably a bit of both. Um, I was really, really healthy up until about four years ago. And um, I just had a really, um, it was on Boxing Day and I had um, this headache. And I say it was a headache. It was just like somebody poking my head and it came up in the afternoon. And I thought, that's weird. Might be a hangover um, or something, you know. And then the next day it was still there. And it was still there like two weeks later. And I thought, this is really painful now. And um, I went to see my doctor and... With stuff like that they're always so dismissive aren't they it was like you know here's some i think it was amyltriptyline which is something that kind of helps with uh, muscular or nerve pain and it didn't really help and um then the pain kind of worsened it you've got a nerve essentially called the occipital nerve um that goes right up your scalp and um just eventually went well right up my scalp and right over and into my eye and it was just so painful and I think I spent around two weeks in bed at one point and I was like this just isn't right my partner was really worried and I was going to the doctor a lot and you know every time it was like god it's this woman again she's just like off her head um and it was just the NHS it, for anybody wondering but well yeah you know I do love the NHS but crikey you know if yeah it's not something yeah. obvious it's it's really it's really yeah. difficult and um yeah eventually well the pain went on for about three months in the end and um you know I was ended up with severe depression as a result because you know I just felt like I wasn't being listened to my partner was the you know so brilliant and thankfully and um at that point uh, one of my friends had mentioned that her her partner was um, diagnosed celiac and um you know it's gluten kind of it's I say gluten intolerance it's more like an I guess an allergy to, to gluten it's an autoimmune illness and um, I thought you know what I'm just gonna cut out gluten and see if that helps and miraculously my headache disappears and um, it did come back for a bit and I thought mm. you know what I think this is food related because mm. cutting out gluten made such a drastic um, improvement even if it was just for a little while and um, I came across um, it's something called a, the auto autoimmune protocol diet and it just basically is um, cutting out all inflammatory foods and um, it's like a really kind of severe whole food diet essentially and the plan is to eventually start reintroducing foods but 
-hmm. it just really sorted me out and um I just yeah I I just have to be really really careful with foods and I got into my groove for a couple of years with that I just thought you know I'll just really try and stick to this uh, it was paleo diets in the end I was able to kind of gravitate towards which was frustrating because I was vegetarian before so it meant that I had to start eating meat but you know needs must unfortunately you know I did first yep. yeah I, I did go through quite a lot of guilt with that but um you know I just wasn't getting any nutrition really otherwise so um yeah I I was kind of getting along groovy and then two years ago um I uh, I actually firstly um I eventually got a diagnosis for this food thing and it's a functional neurological disorder so um, my symptoms are very kind of similar in a way to MS, but um, MS uh, is when you're kind of um, your hardware of your brain, um, there's issues with that. But FND is describes its issues with your software. So symptoms can be very similar because in the end, I was having a whole array of horrible symptoms. But, you know, with with the um, restricted diets, I was able to really kind of deal with pretty much everything but two years ago I, I then got a um, histamine intolerance so um, it means that I'm kind of allergic to more food now as a result so um, I have to be really careful with raw foods I can't eat any raw food now which is a <laughs> is a nightmare um, and it just makes me have kind of a really uh, swollen um, tongue and horrible burning sensations so um summer additionally can be a really see because of the amount of pollen around and um i know that we had to reschedule this um this meeting today because i you know i have to kind of avoid all that i can during august because you know with the additional pollen on top of kind of um, foods and environmental issues i have to be kind of really careful and um really think about you know trying to minimize different kind of triggers really so it's a really difficult um illness to try and explain really but because this you know I've got a double whammy going on I have to be really careful you know in my whole day really with different triggers so um and I, I found that that has hugely impacted on my my work um which is unfortunate yeah. Um, thankfully I've not reacted to polymer clay so <laughs> while I'm able to yeah. use it you are there it's I'm still going it. yeah yeah so you know that's something that I feel really kind of blessed for so yeah it, it just meant that I've had to kind of really kind of roll back on work certainly um, I'm hoping it's temporary and I'm able to kind of get more into a groove as, as time goes on really um, I have to be really mindful about you know taking on gigs now and stuff because it, if I take on a, a a gig for a creative agency you're looking at kind of two weeks kind of full-on work and um, at least so that can be um, quite problematic because I, I don't know how I'm going to feel the next day really so um, I think now we're heading into winter I'm going to kind of do um, a bit of a kind of mail out again and just see how it goes but during the summer I've had really quite a quiet period really and just kind of doing my own stuff you know it's it's yeah really difficult at times but you know I think 
with with being a creative and a creative person you know it's um it's nice because you I find that you're not able to kind of dwell on things in the same way because I'm so busy with you know my own kind of projects and you know just trying to keep myself you know immersed in in creative work it I find it really helps you know I'm, I'm sure you're the same it's um it's that kind of creative outlet isn't it you know I think it's very easy to you know start kind of well feeling depressed about things but I, I really try and kind of focus on you know what I do have as a as opposed to you know any limitations really it's, it's that level of um kind of catharsis and outlet it gives you um it's again it's kind of one of the similar stories of I've, I've had people on the show before um one of my friends who suffers with ms right uh, is a is a painter but kind of creates in seasons in a way but is the yeah. way I describe it is you know you have these periods of, of longevity where you can't do anything you're bedridden yeah everything's going wrong and then as soon as that ends they're back on creating because it's all they've been thinking about during that period is I want to get up I want to do things I want to make things but I can't I know I can and I have to stop myself so that when it opens up again I can go out I can make what I want and like you say it's it, there's a lot of there's a lot of play which I don't think some people realize of like you say taking on jobs if you don't know how you're going to feel you won't be able to complete that job especially yeah. if it's a you know a, a gig economy where it's one day you got to go film something shoot something draw yeah. something yeah yeah then yeah it, it's a, a whole other game of, of organization yeah which yeah not everybody has to deal with luckily for some no no absolutely and you know it's something i'd never even thought about up until mm. kind of about four years ago I was always really healthy and um, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm not doing too badly I, I kind of jog every day every morning I try and get out for sort of two miles um, now you know that the pollen's not so bad and um, I'm finding that you know doing yoga and pilates and stuff kind of really help as well it's all about kind of um, certainly in your because I'm in my, my late 40s now it's really easy for feels for things to feel like they're kind of seizing up and that you know exacerbates any issues that you've you, you may have so I find that you know trying to keep kind of moving and, and healthy and as much as I can kind of helps not only mental health but you know for me physically to be able to to work really it's concerning to hear though I feel like I seize up most days and I'm still <laughs> mid <-thin. laughs> yeah get moving <laughs> I had a friend of mine who had so the way I the way I sit or the way I lay, they took a photograph of me from the side and they just sent me it and my neck was at a right angle compared oh, to my body. And they were like, Are you aware that this is how you sit? And I looked at it and was like, I mean, I, I guess on some level I'm aware, but at the same time, that's the most comfortable position for me is just to yeah. let myself slip into the cushion and my head goes forward and that's where I end up sitting. My partner's the same, actually. Even um, <laughs> at night when he's kind of on the sofa, it just looks so uncomfortable to me. It's like just, just slide the down kind of weirdest of angle. <laughs> but yeah, we're all so different, aren't we? It's, um, it's really fascinating. I just don't know how on earth he'd find that comfortable, but yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> you just get immersed in whatever you're watching that's that's what i find you know you get drawing you get watching most of being for an illustration most of your time is just spent doing this anyway where you're just looking straight down no and it it's just true, becomes habit. isn't it yeah i'm the yeah. same with my clay desk and also um 
you know, even because I, I work with a, a tablet and a pen and I just find I get kind of calluses and stuff. It's just, oh, my God, aging is the worst, man. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the calluses. I saw a I saw a video which was some TikTok or Instagram reel or something, and it was just something like, oh, if you're an artist, you probably have this. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking, well, this is just going to be one of those silly things, which doesn't, you know, it's, it's saying, here's yeah. my desk or something like that. And they just showed their finger. And they were like, you'll have a lump on your middle finger, just yeah. around there. And I was like, no way, I haven't got that lump to my finger. I was like, yep, I have a lump, <laughs> which I've never noticed before on my finger from years and years of just holding a pencil. It's just insane, isn't it? Do yours not hurt? So they just kind of solid? Oh, yeah, it's just very solid. It's almost like, because it's never been like a callus. It's never rubbed or right. or anything like that. Yeah. It's literally just where the muscle is or like the, the i guess maybe the calcium from the bone i don't know yeah my, my doctor has no, I, just I developed know, actually, and I've got yeah like an, it's like an indent but i noticed one on my pinky the other day and I yeah was like, i've got oh. one there i've got one in exactly yeah. the same place it's just from where you're uh, well certainly for me where my finger trails on the desk while i'm while i've got the tablet yeah i realized the, the other day i've got an indent just on this finger and i was trying to figure out what it was and then i realized I hold my phone yeah. like this. Yeah, I've, I've had bloody... exactly that, and I've stopped doing it now. They do go away, um, but no, I had exactly that. There's it's a so this part of me which is tempted to see how far I can take it. Could I get a finger which is a hook? How do you know? It's like I can hold phones and never have to worry about it. Yeah, that's your superpower, yeah. No, I hadn't thought about that, but mine hurt too much, so I, I couldn't right. do it. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, you're fortunate if it doesn't hurt. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt for now. <laughs> it like I say, you know, I, I'm aware at some point everything will break down further than it already has in many ways. <laughs> but again, I, I think yeah, it's there's these all these sides to creating and kind of going back to what we we're saying at the very beginning and, and the work you create of. of People look at it and they think it's this. It's it's going to be easy. It's or it's because it's you know like a quite a cartoony, bold style. People are like, oh, it's animation. It's got to be animation, and yeah, you know, or you you'll be working for hours on stop motion or something like that, or anything like that. The wider picture of what it takes to create becomes way more significant, and yeah. it's it's almost hard to get that out. And I think. YouTube videos do a great job of that because it allows you kind of a platform to sit and chat about it. Yeah. But social media wise, it doesn't because it's, you know, the final product many times. No, absolutely. Yeah. I was, I, I think I, I, I talked about that in a video not, not long ago that, mm. you know, I, I think it's, um, it's almost a bit sneaky of, you know, some creators to be like, you know, look at this amazing thing that I've created and, you know, you're forgetting kind of all the bad art that you've made along the way, really. And, you know, all the time and, you know, swearing and all the stuff that goes into creating it and just feels like they kind of knock out something amazing every few days or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, depending on the di discipline, but not actually sharing anything kind of real about it. And, you know, I just, 
for me, it's more interesting to see the backstory for one. You know, I love to kind of know how some things kind of come together and hearing kind of horror stories, um, you know, of how things haven't worked out or, you know, perhaps it's, you know, ended up being something that you kind of really didn't see coming. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes, for instance, I'll make uh, a model and I, I'm trying to work on a likeness and I think, you know, that's not working out in a way that I wanted but it kind of looks like somebody else so I'm just going to make it into that person instead so you know it's just kind of little vignettes or little stories that I find really interesting but I think not enough creators kind of share this kind of stuff because to me that's what makes the process kind of interesting it's not always about the end result it's um you know it's it's kind of the whole story I, I think it's way more interesting than seeing kind of an image of something that's kind of final and complete really i'm glad you mentioned that recent video you um spoke about you know making mistakes and yeah what you're i always make mistakes kind of yeah but i watched that video and i found it so funny because you you were working on it and you you know your voiceover was just like i did this but i wasn't particularly happy with it and i was <laughs> there going it looked great what do you want about <laughs> It looks exactly like the person you're trying to make. And you're like, no, it doesn't know. No, I'll just wrong. switch it, like, it up now. What are you doing? <laughs> and I think it, it just exposed to me that, that again, just the idea of what the artist perceives versus what the public perceives can be so different. Like, if you're not happy with it, you're not happy with it. That's yeah. That's fair enough. And people get so focused on minute details and things which they you know are upset about within their creation but when they show it to the public like yeah this is great this is yeah what you want and it's like you know like we're saying with social media pumping things out 20 20 times a day is not attainable for any person no so no you you kind of have to balance it between doing that and getting feedback on what you're creating to make sure yeah. you know you're not putting too much pressure on yourself for something which will stop you creating for six or eight months and still just trying to go, okay, well, I made this, you know, yeah. it is what it is, pushing it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was no, a frustrating I, I, video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, no, we all, we all make bad art, you know, and I think it's important to kind of share that and just, yeah, different, different journeys. Isn't that more interesting than, have you ever gone back and cor corrected work? Like, let's say you've done something a few years later and you've thought, you know what, maybe do it better. Or... Oh, yeah, I've remade work um, right. entirely. And um, it's not to say that I, you know, the previous version wasn't good enough or whatever. Mm. I just think um, as an artist, your style evolves so much as time goes on. You know, models that I make now look, I think, really different to, you know, characters that I made five years ago so to kind of keep your portfolio up to date for one you know it's nice to have a sort of coherent kind of aesthetic really and I, I think for me I wouldn't be kind of happy sharing stuff that I'm doing now alongside stuff that I did kind of way back and it's frustrating because I you know I, I did I've done some really great kind of um, commercial projects but um because they look so different to um, my own work, I'm just so reluctant to include them in my portfolio because I, I think, for me, it doesn't kind of make a whole lot of kind of sense, really. I, I, for me, I, I like to see a sort of a certain kind of style. And I, 
I think having that mindset as well probably does come with its own limitations, however, because perhaps I'm scared of evolving further because I, you know, I want to ensure everything kind of looks like my own brand. So mm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, really. I think that's something that I need to really kind of think about. Yeah. Is it good to have a, a one kind of look for everything or is it more interesting to have a kind of bit of a mixed bag? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm probably a prime example of, I don't necessarily think of myself as having a brand or a style of one thing I do consistently. Um, yeah. I have, I have various products, which I do consistently. For instance, I make a calendar every year. That's exactly the same style uh, whenever I do it, but I struggle to repeat work I, I struggle to repeat the same style because every time I do I feel like I'm I'm ripping myself off right I'm looking at yeah. my work and going I've already done that they've seen that don't need to yeah. worry about that job's done let's do something else so when it comes to my next piece I'm like right what can I do different what can I change and then you put that into the internet you put that into the public eye and it becomes very hard for people who are interested in your work, who saw one thing you did, which they liked, to keep track of you because they can't keep that consistency, which is what yeah. they signed up for. Um, yeah. Kind of like like the show. This is probably the most consistent thing which I've I've done. Is it's mm. basically the same format has been since basically twenty seventeen, um, and this is the most consistent thing. But everything outside of that is just whatever takes my fancy. Um, and that to my audience is detrimental in, in many ways, but at the same time, I'm very much like, well, yeah. but I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not I a way to make money. Great... No, well, yeah, it's <laughs> I can see that, but it's there's a freedom in that, isn't there? And yeah. it's it's kind of more truthful in a way because that's kind of more creative, I think, isn't it? To allow yourself to to do what essentially what you want to do or what you kind of you know you're drawn yeah. to doing rather than feeling kind of limited perhaps yeah I always tend to think of it as the reason I start creating in the first place was like we were saying before was that level of catharsis it's always been a way of expressing it's always been a way of dealing with whatever was going on in my life at the time yeah um, I've been lucky enough to find a consistent job which pays the bills yeah and been doing that for almost a decade and that's just one side of my life so this side of my life I fundamentally refuse to have in any structure because this side of my life needs to be just catharsis and I, yeah. I think I remember an old an, my GCSE art teacher used to tell a story of one of her students who said I had an A-class student who was in my art class she was amazing she did everything she wanted it, she was great, super talented. And then she went off to college and she did an accountancy degree. Oh. And they met a few years later and she said she was nothing but depressed. Yeah. And she was like, don't fall into that trap. If you're going to yeah. go out and do something, you've got to allow yourself cathartic moments because she'd stopped creating art completely because yeah. she was doing everything corporate. And my brain just clearly picked up on that when I was like 16 and thought, yep, that's nope always going to make something yeah it's hugely important you know I, I think mm. I, you know I've done all sorts of jobs but I think one thing that's been consistent is that I always made time you know for drawing um mm -hmm. or 
you know, I do the odd kind of life drawing class here and there. And, you know, I, I think for many people, that's their kind of one outlet, you know, just to have some a few hours a week, perhaps just to be able to, you know, do what they want to do, what they feel creatively drawn to doing. And um, yeah, it's, it's just so important. And it's, I don't know, I, yeah, it's, I just real, really feel for people that, you know, are obviously creative, but for whatever reason, they just, you just can't work in the fields or, you know, go to college or whatever. It's, it's, yeah, it's just heartbreaking, really. I think it's, it's almost the other side to what we were saying about when you go on courses and they don't teach you the fundamentals of how to survive yeah. in the industry or anything like that. When, when we grow up and we're going through our whatever courses and are really learning most of that is structured to this will get you a job if you know algebra this will get you a job yeah but none of it is focused on this will get you a job but also here's how to enjoy life outside of that job because if you just do the job you'll hate it in the end and it's it is it's a a very same most of what we've chatted about today was it's a balance it's yeah and you know you need that different perspective and like you're saying from a from a mature background going into education or or someone young who's encountering people who are older it's we can learn from them as much as they can learn from us and that's oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah. and I do all the time you know it's yeah it's it's just so much talent out there and they understand the algorithm in a way I never will (laughs) 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 oh gosh me too oh my gosh YouTube is an enigma, isn't it? It's um I think we, we have the problem with YouTube we saw it founded and we knew what it yeah. was and we were like, That's what it is, that's how we use YouTube and then years later they changed. I just it. wish years ago I'd just <laughs> gone with it and done something, you know, because I started my channel Crikey, it must have been about seven years ago. <laughs> and um yeah, it's it's frustrating when you put so much work into it and you know, hardly anybody sees it really. I think YouTube shorts have been a little more successful for me, but, you know, I don't really want to be a YouTube shorts creator. I'm more interested in long form. Um, Yeah, it's tricky. If you find out what the, um, yeah, magic solution to that is, let me, (laughs) let me know. (laughs) I'll I'll try. But I, I also think it makes you, or at least from my point of view, it makes me cautious of embracing new platforms. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think TikTok's the prime example. If I'm not on TikTok, I haven't ever used the app because in my brain, I'm like, well, I'll get on it and I'll I'll, I'll learn what it's about, but that's going to take me take me a few months. That's going to take yeah. a few months to, to learn yeah. what it's about. And by that time, they'll have changed what it's about and yeah. moved on. So what's the point? They're in so even cheeky, starting? aren't they? <laughs> I uh, started TikTok um maybe around six weeks ago two months ago mm-hmm. maybe and it just feels feels like a massive waste of time you know I think everybody seems established on there already and if you're a latecomer to any of these things it's so difficult to get a like it's <laughs> you just you kind of just have to wade into it I recently um what's the new one I recently joined Blue Sky which is oh, kind yes. of like the, yeah, the, I have the Twitter replacement. Well. I abandoned Twitter or X or whatever he wants to call yeah, it these days. Yeah, me too. It's just horrendous now, isn't it? Awful. Deleted all that. Um, joined Blue Sky. And I was like, this is interesting. You know, right, right at the beginning of it, you got to have a code to get in and everything like that. Yeah. But in my, secretly in the back of my brain, I was like, 
three months time this is going to be every single platform again yeah yeah trying to get that one 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 viral joke which will <laughs> make me go in the first two months and then i'll give up i'll move on carry on doing what i'm doing <laughs> no it's it's frustrating it's it's just it takes so much time and energy and effort all of this doesn't it are you on mastodon graham that's something i'm really enjoying so i was yeah and then i again i kind of I, I was still on Twitter at the time, and I, then I joined Mastodon um, as like a, hey, I could potentially move over to Mastodon. Yeah. And same with same with Threads. I joined Threads, and I was like, yeah, well, yeah see, me see too, what's going I can't on be bothered with it. <laughs> and it, again, it was just the learning curve was so high, and I was having to maintain so many different fronts, it felt like. Yeah. You know, I was having to put, repost the same content to so many platforms that I decided, right, I'm going to cut it back and got rid of Mastodon. Got rid of Twitter because I didn't like where the platform was kind of going anyway. No. I was like, I'm going to stick with the visuals. I'm going to stick with YouTube, as redundant as I think it is at times. Stick with Instagram and just see how that goes and kind of approach it from that point of view. And I joined Blue Sky just because most of my friends are on Blue Sky of, you know, getting getting them updates and using it essentially how I'd use MySpace back in the day. (laughs) <laughs> just, oh my space to bring it back <laughs> it still exists it's just it's just music now there's just loads of oh, bands right. in it. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it just seems such it's... a friendly place you know when you yeah. consider what on earth twitter is now it's um do you know the thing that made me leave twitter and this is utterly ridiculous well uh, uh, along with everything else because it's so awful mm. there i yeah. um complained to listerine you know the mouthwash people yeah yeah out there tops are really hard to open so I just had like this really innocuous tweet to them to say you know could you really figure out your tops because they're really hard to open and that was months ago and then some I don't know incel creep last well a few weeks ago was started going on about like you know what kind of idiot you you can't open an effing listerine cap and I was like is this really where we are now at twitter Mm. You can't even moan to Listerine about math- mouthwash caps <laughs> without such some, a, such an you know, place. right-wing incel. Yeah. And why, would, why on earth would he be looking for that tweet? Because it was months old. Yeah. How did you find it? Like, what were you, what were you searching? Were you just on the <laughs> Listerine profile? Like, I'm going to reply to everything. Just like, anything. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just took that as my moment to leave. I still yeah. have my Twitter account there because I didn't want to give up my handle, but I, ju- I don't use right. it now at all yes just horrendous what a shame i used to love twitter it's it's, i the main thing i ended up using twitter for was like you say contacting companies i found customer service were actually on twitter which was one of the prime examples it's a bit of a tangent was so i when i moved out to the u.s student loans company wanted me they were they were trying to find me yeah because of of course (laughs) um and i didn't want to pay for a bolt-on for my phone to ring the uk yeah because i'm not here i was like how can i contact them you can contact them from twitter chat that's their 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 main way of being contacted in the uk was through twitter direct messaging and i was like this is you're a loan you're a bank essentially and i i'm contacting you through twitter it's awful Um, so i once i was done with that and i was tidied away and set up on all accounts and all payments and all i was like right okay I can actually get off Twitter now. I don't have to do this. Yeah, but if yeah. I ever need to my student loans company again, I might have to re-down 
download. But what actually made me delete my account was the name change. Oh, it's awful, was, isn't it? What is so he fickle. doing? It seemed like kind of thing like an edgy teen does. It's like we're going to call it's it It's just embarrassing. <laughs> you know, he's like the worst of the 90s, basically, isn't he? He's so awful. The thing I love about that now is whenever you read a news report about it, it's X, formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. On every news article. <laughs> you you're never you're never gonna get away with it because no one no. knows what this is. Oh, I just really hope it all kind of messes up proper and he has to sell it to somebody with a clue. But I know that's not gonna happen. It'll either close or it'll get shut down. Yeah. It's the only way I can only way I can see it. Um yeah. but this this is a bit of a tangent. But otherwise it is. <laughs> the art industry I'm just saying, where I've moaned about everything. <laughs> I've moaned about it so much for. today. It is, it is catharsis, isn't it? <laughs> Dave, um, Dave Zakin, who I had recently, he's a ceramicist, does does pottery and whatnot. He described he described podcasts as therapy. They're yeah. like free, free therapy. You come, you chat, you have a little bit of catharsis, and you oh, learn a bit been, about what you're doing. It's been a great experience. It's my first podcast, so hopefully, it's yeah. I'm just very conscious that I've I've moaned quite a lot. <laughs> But if I'm I said sure. anything, we could be sued over. So we're no, that's yeah, that's all <laughs> that matters. Okay, but anyway, it's been lovely to speak to you, Lily. Thank you, we'll Graham. Thank you. See more creations coming out of your way soon, and anyone will check you out. I'll leave links down below as usual. Thank that's you. And uh, yeah, if that if we're all wrapped up, we'll call it there. I'll yeah, stop. and so uh, I shall carry on listening to yelling at concrete so yeah congrats on a on a great podcast actually it's uh it's nice to have these um you know just voices that i enjoy in the background even if i'm not absorbing kind of what they're saying so i shall keep you on on play <laughs> other people should too but on that note yeah. we will talk to these guys later